Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today on To The Point, we are finishing up 2019 with a big show just for you. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. Welcome on into the point with Kristen Burt, and I have to say I am so excited about today because it is our 150th episode of To the Point. So we're going out big, and what we are doing here uh, with Dance Network and Popcorn Talk is presenting someone you have never seen here before on the show, but I've gotten to see her dance this week. It was fantastic. Please welcome American Ballet Theater's principal dancer, Christine Shevchenko. I was going to get that. Welcome. I know. Thank you. So good to see you. It's great to see you. I am so glad you are here. I've seen you a couple of times this week um, performing and on the red carpet. Yes. Yes. There's been lots of events. Lots of events. I know, but your big weekend is actually coming up, isn't it? It's coming up. Yes. So my first performance of The Nutcracker with American Ballet Theater is tomorrow at 7 p.m. And my second one is Sunday. So, yeah. I love this. Now, for anyone who hasn't seen the Alexei Rotmansky um, production, he has a very specific, um, I would say, sort of whimsical, humorous take on the Nutcracker. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Now, for you guys, does that give you guys a new spin, give it a kind of a fresh approach? Because, you know, I think a lot of us have seen the Nutcracker and, and think we know what uh-huh. to expect. Right, yes. So I, I feel like a lot of us at ABT, actually, we really um, enjoy Alexei Rabonsky's Nutcracker. And it's always it's always so tough in the beginning, you know, when someone's trying to recreate a ballet, if it's going to be good or not good, you know, what the choreography is going to be like. But um, I have actually adore this Nutcracker, and I love it so much. It's a, a big cinematic experience mm-hmm. that's super colorful with all these 3D dimensions of chairs and Christmas trees. And it's it's just, it's really breathtaking. It's really beautiful. But um, my favorite part about it is the connection that uh, Alexei Rotmansky builds with the children, the young Clara and the Nutcracker, and with the adult version of Clara and the Nutcracker and how he intertwines them and um, shows the story. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful love story, and I think that was what sort of took my breath away when I saw it on Friday night. Yeah. And I, if you're going to expect the, the Sugar Plum Fairy, she's not there. She's not. She, she is, but she, she doesn't dance. She sort right. of just hosts... Host the evening. Host the evening. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it's really kind of interesting how that that whole spin plays out. But um, it's so beautiful to watch. And the traditional Sugar Plum Fairy music, the way um, it takes Mm -hmm. you in a totally different direction. Yes. I thought... Why hasn't anyone done this before? Honestly. I know. And like um, in the Grandpa in Act 2, which usually the Sugar Plum Fairy dances. But in in his version, it's actually young Clara. So there's sort of still children in the grandpa, not Mm -hmm. adults, not this like grand, beautiful, royal 
ballet couple, but they're still young kids, and they're basically just dancing and having fun together. And in her variation, in Claire's variation in Act 2, she's super playful and even runs off the stage and peeks out of the wing and runs back on. So it's it's very different, but it's so fun to do. Yeah, and for anyone that expects, it was funny because then you're like, I'm like, where's Doodop Fairy? And instead, it's four bees that come in. Exactly. And I was, when the four bees came in, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And then they just take off, and it's hilarious. It's really, the flower dance is actually, it's sort of like a, comedy it's very it's very fun and entertaining to watch and the patterns and shapes that he does with it is is really pretty amazing yeah it, it really his work is is genius i know that he's your artist in residence there yes. and you guys are so fortunate to have him i know and um you have if you're in the southern california area you have until sunday to go and see this production at yes, sagerstrom exactly yep and i just want to say i love sagerstrom it's one of the best places to see performing arts as i was telling you earlier mm-hmm. and like the sight lines are fantastic so even if you buy right an upper level um, seat because I know tickets are expensive but at the same time you're going to be able to see the beauty of the Nutcracker. Yeah, it's a great theater and I love dancing at that theater and the stage is just so comfortable and it's such a cozy atmosphere. It's it's not too big. It's like the perfect size. Right. So it's wonderful. What makes a stage really comfortable for you as a dancer? It's I, I sort of base it on how the audience and the chairs are laid out. Oh, interesting. It's sort of like what the audience looks to you like from the stage and sometimes it can be really awkward because it's it's just too wide too expansive too maybe expansive right and this one it's it's sort of a small theater but mm-hmm. you know it's if it's a lot of people still but it, just the way it is it's just so nice to dance on that stage yeah i love how they've laid it out um they have a concert hall next door and everything else but they've also started for anyone that didn't know abt has a school out here on yes. the west coast too yes. and so you have all those kids from california um performing with you i know now, are they different than the east coast kids is it a different vibe um, I, I guess sort of. I feel like I don't hear they're so excited whenever we come out and I feel like they prepare so well because they like the the, new, the kids in New York get to see us every day because we're right. in the same building. So, you know, they see us whenever we're walking out okay. rehearsals, you know, they can <laughs> peek in and watch. But I feel like the kids out here don't get that. You know, they don't get that experience and whatever opportunity we have to come out here they take so seriously and they just prepare so well and I mean they're beyond excited whenever we dance. I had an opera I spent Friday before the show um, with a couple of the, the principal kids and one of the Paula Chanel's and the baby mouse, the little mouse. Um, and they were thrilled. I mean they were saying we look up to all of the principals. It's know, so exciting so when they're here. They're really yeah. cute. So it was just fun to see them and they were so excited that it was opening night and all their family and they're friends so were there. Cute. Yeah. Yes. I know. I, I love them all. I love all the kids out here. They're amazing and they work so hard and they do such a great job. So you know, it's all, it's great. Yeah, it's a kind of a fun part of the Nutcracker, you know, because you get to see it through their eyes. Yes, I know. And <laughs> I mean, I was in the same position when I was little because I did Nutcracker with Pennsylvania Ballet when mm-hmm. I was at the Rock School. And I remember how I felt dancing with the company members and it was just like crazy experience. And I, you know, was just in awe of all of them and wanted to be like them and was so happy just to dance right, you know, by them. So have you ever been able to dance with one of your idols, the the one you kind of looked up to when you're a little bit younger and they were still dancing as you were starting out your career? Um, Well, Julie Kent and Paloma Herrera were definitely those 
too that I always watched videos of when I was little and I actually got to dance with them. So that was, I was so grateful for that experience and that, you know, it it was able to happen. And they're legendary in the ballet world. Yeah. Yeah. What I think is so unique about your career is that you are kind of that ABT homegrown dancer. And I I know they really try and do that in terms of even bringing them up through whether it's the New York or now LA school. But you started out with ABT Studio Company. I did. I did. So I... I joined ABT Studio Company when I was 17 and I I sort of I was there for about a year and 3 months and then joined in December actually for it was Kevin McKenzie's Nutcracker at that time and I remember we had only 5 days to learn Nutcracker and we were the entire ballet the entire ballet oh. and everyone else already knew it but the apprentices that joined that year had to learn it and we only had five days and <laughs> it was a lot it was a lot to learn and to do well and it was the first time we danced on stage with ABT so it was a lot of pressure and nerves how did you get through that because at 17 that is a lot to deal with um yeah. you're young you're having a very big opportunity kevin mckenzie is the artistic director just in case anyone didn't know and uh he's also the choreographer so how do you sort of wrap your brain around all of that you know you sort of there's no time to really panic <laughs> you know what i mean there's no time for nerves or anything so you kind of just have to put that aside and, and do what you've been training to do your whole life you know and and make it happen. I feel like when people get in their head and start doubting themselves, you know, and start bringing themselves down is when it gets hard. But you just and it starts to show in your dancing. It starts to show in the dancing, right? And I feel like you always have to just be positive and be confident, even if you don't feel that way. You know what I mean? But it works. Is it that sort of like fake it till you make it? Fake and you're it like, till you make it. I got this. Yeah, exactly. I always think when I have like a bad day on set, sometimes, you know, and you're rehearsing and you're, you're just not getting it, whatever it is, I always think I need to go home, eat a really good meal, um, yes. not think about it, go to sleep. Yes. And I feel like it seeps in my sleep. <laughs> does that happen to you? It does. It does. It does. I mean, yeah. When I, I mean, everybody has bad days, you know, but it's you can't take it like too deep inside you know you just got to brush it off and keep doing what you're doing yeah and your rise to the ranks has been uh, this is pretty impressive because after you did um time as an apprentice it was very short for you you were in court of ballet within what six months maybe um well yeah the apprentice i was six months and then i got into the core after that and then in the core i was actually there for some time but I was doing soloists and principal parts while you were in while core. I was in the core. Talk about how important it is to sort of soak up everything that you're doing in core because um, it's one of the hardest jobs out there. You're dancing almost every night, it which is, really is good, but it's also really challenging. Yeah, it's it's underrated. I feel like people don't really know how hard it is to dance in the core, and you know, having gone through it now, I like. I feel for those girls. Whenever I'm on stage and I'm doing a principal role, I know what what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I know what it feels like for them to be standing there on the side. And it's it really it was an eye-opening experience for me. And you were there what maybe about 6 years in total? So I think in the court, it was about five years. Okay, about six year, I was promoted to soloist. Okay, so when you're in, say, year three in the court, and even if you're getting that soloist role here and there, yeah, um, is there a time you sometimes feel stuck? Because some people never get out of court of ballet. Yes, yes, that definitely happened to me, and it was probably around year three. And I definitely felt like I was stuck and I wasn't moving anywhere and nothing was happening and I was still doing the same thing, 
you know, every year, all the same core parts. And it was it was a bit of a frustrating time for me and, you know, a little upsetting. But what I did is I just worked, I just literally worked harder. And I, I trained more on the side with my coaches and prepared all the soloists and principal roles, you know, to have it in my pocket for when the opportunity came up and I didn't give up. So and it worked out. It's it's that real old uh, sort of saying of like the preparation meets opportunity, and that's where you, the success yes. comes out of that. Exactly. Um, did you have to like go to some of your teachers and say, "What can I do? Like, what is it that I need to do to get that feedback to understand?" Yes, I mean, I did. I I worked with them pretty much every weekend whenever I had days off or whenever we had time off. I would go and work with my teachers and just perfect everything that I thought needed more perfecting and work on like even it's so funny my teacher remembers this um when I was in the core and I used to go to her and rehearse core parts and she would be like what are you doing like you really want to spend an hour just stand like standing in a like in a line and doing a couple of steps and (laughs) I was like yes I want to make sure it looks really good you know but that works and that worked and people noticed me in the core because because I worked on those core parts that, you know, where you barely danced. And people in the audience noticed me and I stood out. Interesting. Because I think that's probably a strategy very few people take where yeah. they're just like, oh, I'm going to try and work on the soloist parts and hopefully they'll notice me and give me that opportunity. Yeah. But you should also be good at what you're currently exactly. doing. Exactly. And like instantly, like, you know, everyone's eyes were drawn to me because... You know, I was I was doing the core full out with feeling. You know, <laughs> you're it like was, I'm going to be the prettiest was, flower in the Nutcracker. Or I the I made it swan. exactly. <laughs> I made it my mission to to do that. And you know, I think that's what sort of helped me that's get amazing. out of the core. Yeah. yeah, it's all those like little fine details. Sometimes that oh, we absolutely. miss. They those fine details are probably the most important part of dancing. It's that's what separates you from everyone else. Ah, I love that. Yeah, especially for anyone looking to really like break out of the core. And and exactly. sometimes I think too, I mean, you've been with ABT your whole career, but I think for some people it might be shifting companies. It's hard to leave too. It's so hard to leave. And like, I didn't, well, I didn't really want to leave. And I mean, people told me, well, you should try here or there. You, you could be a soloist principal here already. Why, why don't you try it out? But ABT has always been my goal and my, my mission in life to dance at this company and I was so drawn because of their huge repertoire mm-hmm. of classical ballet and contemporary. And I just didn't want to dance anywhere else. And this is where Makarova and Barishnikov danced, you know? And that history is, I mean, that is legendary. It's legendary. And I really wanted to dance here so bad. I love that, though. But and that's important, too, like knowing what you want um, and not sometimes there's a lot of outside noise like, yes. hey, go and take this opportunity over here. There's another dance company that they're looking for a soloist. Absolutely. I bet you can be principal within a year over there. Right. Right. Yeah. So I mean, people are always going to give you other advice, but you just have to like you whatever you know is right for you, you know, is you know, you just know. In your heart and soul. In your heart and soul, yeah. It's so people get swayed by other people's opinions all the time. Yeah, I always call it the outside noise. If you let the outside noise in too much, sometimes it leads you it's, in a direction it, you shouldn't You never, shouldn't go, yeah. exactly. Um, talk about being a soloist too, because I think um, I want to sort of demystify it because if people just hear like these yeah. terms throw out, like your core to ballet and your soloist and your principal, <laughs> yeah, like, true. you know, what so does that true. all mean? So exactly. when you're a soloist in ABT, really, what does that mean? Are you able to do principal roles? You're not doing core to ballet at this point. You're kind no. of 
in between. You're in between. Um, yes. So as a soloist, you pretty much only do the soloist roles in the ballet as well as principal roles. And okay. most soloists do principal roles already. And but you, the good thing is you don't have to do the core anymore, so you have a lot more nights off now. <laughs> is, uh, is that good? I know. See, it's funny because you're kind of dancing less. Um, but is that better on your body? Yeah. So it gets it gets tricky. So my first year as a soloist, I didn't have to dance the core anymore. I only danced just the soloist parts, and I had so much time off, so much time. And I didn't know what to do with myself because I was used to being on stage every night mm-hmm. and rehearsing something every day, like nonstop. And with the solo schedule, you, you know, you rehearse your couple of variations here and there and you're done. And you've taken company class and, and you've, you've taken company class and then you don't do every show anymore. You only do like two or three shows maybe and that's it. So then like when that happens, I realized, man, I really need to like stay in shape and work more and do other stuff on the side to, you know, to prevent myself from losing technique or, you know, so yeah, it's really, it's, it's, it's a really, weird balance. It's a weird balance. Like the higher you go, the less you dance. Exactly. But then, but then principle, <laughs> principle level is a whole nother story. Cause you're, now that's more about endurance of, cause you're pro- oftentimes dancing throughout an entire ballet, Yeah, but you're not dancing every night. Yes, exactly. So also, you're not dancing every night. You dance, you probably dance the lead role like two or, also two or three times. Um, but it's so weird because you're a lead in all these different ballets and you only get like a couple shows, but somehow there's never enough time to prepare for it. Oh. It's really bizarre because there's so many things that you have to do, so much repertoire that there's never enough time to fully prepare like the, a full-length ballet or a contemporary piece that you have to do. And that was my first year as a principal. I could not believe that. That was shocking It was, to it you. was a shock. And I remember um, my first year as a principal, I had to dance. I think the first thing I danced was Swan Lake, and then I had Don Q the next week. <laughs> wait, wait, and, wait. So you have Swan Lake one week and the next week Don Q. Those are yeah, both huge acting huge ballets. acting ballets. And... You know, I I finished my Swan Lake. It was towards the end of the week already. And I pretty much had two or three days to throw Don Q together. And that's a full-length ballet. That's astonishing. Yeah. Um, So in those moments that you're not necessarily in the dance studio rehearsing, what are you doing in your off time? And I say off in air quotes because... Um, you, you're having to do this constant preparation because I know the ABT, you guys place a lot of emphasis on the acting. You guys aren't yes. just like dancing and just throwing out technique. You guys are fully embodying the roles. Absolutely. As when I was promoted to principal and I, I started doing all these lead roles and all these amazing ballets, um, I realized that, you know, acting is such a huge part now because every person in the audience is coming to watch you. And you're the one that has to drive the plot and, mm-hmm. and tell a story and have them to, you know, they have to understand what you're doing. They have to understand the story. And I realized this is like a really big deal. So I started taking acting classes. Do you take privates or were you in a class with everyone? So at first I did a couple of classes, um, which were which were really interesting. And it was definitely really helpful for um, eye contact with your partner. It was really, really good. But later on, ABT has a great acting coach. They do. 
They do. And um, his name is Byam, and he works one-on-one with everyone. Oh, I love this. So, like, I would work with him for, like, an hour or two here and there, and he would basically go through the whole entire story of the ballet, make sure that you understood it well, who your character was. The nuances. The nuances. And then we would watch the ballet, and part by part, we would go over, like, you know, she you know, the step that she's doing here, what does it mean? Or what do you want it to mean? Or how would you look at him here? You know, it's, mm-hmm. there's so much to it. There's so much. And that's, that's what makes the audience feel though. That yeah. And that's what I have to say. That's what I loved about watching the Nutcracker. Cause I usually am just like, yay, like the whole time this is fun. But there were moments that I was like, I'm so touched emotionally by this yeah. in a different way. That's not just like a happy, joyous party scene thing. There were moments of, you know, romance and uh-huh. a little bit of sadness yes. and, and that really shows in in your work at ABT as a company. I think that's really important. Yeah, it's actually my favorite part about dancing right now is probably the the acting. Ooh, the acting of it. Just because I, you know, I banged out my technique from like a very young age, and it was always about technique and how clean you dance and and all the you know all that stuff. But now I really really love doing the acting part. Well, if you talk to anyone, I I think that especially I know teachers are trying to like, you know, get this into kids head like you can have the most amazing technique and the audience will feel nothing if you're not giving, you know, from your your soul. soul, Yeah, you literally have to pour your soul out on that stage. Yeah. And you will. And I think that's the thing, too. You don't have to have perfect technique to give a really beautiful performance. You want to have I know I understand ballet is always about trying to reach perfection, but at the same time. I'm going to, as an audience member, I'm going to forgive if like, oops, they just stumbled just a little bit on that turn. If they made me feel something from start to finish. Totally. I, I, I always uh, thought that if you touch the audience's hearts and like really get them involved in that story, they'll, they'll love anything you do. That's right. You know, as long as you really get them involved in what you're doing. Do you notice uh, a difference in East Coast and West Coast audiences and how they respond to all these ballets? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Well, New York, is de- <laughs> New York is definitely the harsher critic. Okay. Um, they just know, they know so much. And, you know, all the... Stronger ballet audience out there, let's be honest. All the worldwide ballet companies tour there often, and they're always there, and they're a well-educated audience. Um, but here, here, the audience is so great, because they're so, they like cheer you on, and they're so enthusiastic here. And I feel like they love everything that we do here. They applause for so many things. They do. That in New York, people wouldn't even clap, you know, clap for. I know. So, I noticed even on Friday night, I was laughing because I'm like, oh, they like there was a tour jeté and it just, it was very high. It had lots of ballon onto it. And, but the audience was like, oh, and they, yes. everyone started clapping. Yes. But it makes us feel so, like as a dancer, it makes you feel so happy that the audience <laughs> loves what you're doing, that it makes you dance better. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Because I was always curious because for a long time here in Los Angeles, everyone's like, there's just no ballet here. And that scene over the last 10 years, and I don't want to say in 2019, but it's really, we feel the shift, we feel the change. Um, yeah. And it's, I love that the audiences are becoming more educated about exactly. all of the ballet. Because I, I grew up on the East Coast too. I lived yeah. in Boston, I lived in New York City, and you know, there's such a rich history there in both Absolutely. of those cities. So that's so wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. No, no, it's <laughs> I'm great. glad to hear we're at least excitable as 
an oh, audience. Oh, it's so fun to dance here. We love dancing here. We love that we do Nutcracker here every year and come and do our world premieres here. Oh, can we talk about that? Yes. Because you guys have a yes. big one coming up we this spring. We have a spring. big one. Um, and, of course, it's Rotmonsky again. It's Rotmonsky You know, again. he's yes. going to give us. And, and I got to see one of the variations on Monday that you you performed. Yes. And it's from, it's of Love and Rage, correct? Of Love and Rage, yeah. It was an it was a little excerpt. So this ballet is um, based on one of the oldest Greek poems that ever existed. I think it was like 400 A.D., or something. It it's crazy that he even found this. You know? Like he really <laughs> he's did looking. his research. Yeah, he's looking. He really spent time on this. But it's it's a Greek it's based on Greek mythology and it's a Greek love tragedy story, I would say. And he created this little excerpt to show for the event this past Monday. And um, he hasn't started doing the ballet yet, but we're all super excited to see what what it's going to be. So will you guys go into rehearsal once the holidays are over and start working on it? Yes. Yeah, so I think in January he'll start, he'll start choreographing it. You guys will have the West Coast premiere in March, if I'm in correct. March. Early I March. It's the first week of March. At, at, again, at Sagerstrom, because that is yes. your home. Oh, yes. that's exciting. Yes. And see, that's the one nice thing about having you guys have a West Coast home now is that it's we get so a lot nice. of cool premieres. Yes, it's so true. And we love it. We love it. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm sure in the winter you're like, okay, we'll come for... We'll no. come here anytime during the winter. <laughs> couple I palm think. trees, some yeah. beach, some snow. No it, snow. Exactly. Yeah, no snow. No yeah. snow. It's, it's really the snow great. we do out here is um, soap bubbles, if you that's, ever... <laughs> that's all. We'll take that. Yeah, it's, it's you're great. Like, that works. Actually, at Sagerstrom, has the soap bubble snows off I of saw one of the balconies. outside the theater, right? Or no, inside. It's, I don't know. it's outside. It's actually off of. I, I found this out Friday night because someone kindly escorted me to the VIP lounge. So oh, it's on amazing. the balcony. It's on, on the, the balcony of the VIP lounge, and then it kind of trickles out into the parking lot. Oh, that's fantastic! That's so cool. Yeah. So the VIPs, if you are a VIP donor, and please continue to donate to the arts, that's where you get the snow bubbles. Amazing! Wow. I know that's so great. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Um. And and you guys over the past year, you had um whipped cream, obviously. We had whipped cream, Arlequinade. We do a lot of his premieres out here. Yeah, you have done a lot of them. For anyone that is not familiar with whipped cream, talk about this because this is another, to me, really embodies what um, Alexi's work is about. Very whimsical. Oh, it's super whimsical. I feel like he does go whimsical with a lot of things, Mm -hmm. um, but whipped cream, it's oh my gosh, it's over the top. But it's so fun. And there's so many costumes that are, I don't know, there's the coffee, the tea, the different cookies. There's a (laughs) dance when there's like a bunch of guys and they're different cookies. And I mean, it's it's really funny, but it's so, it's really spectacular. The decorations on the sets, I think, that were done by Mark Ryden. Yep, they're beautiful, too. They the were so beautiful. are to die for as well. Yeah. I always find that his productions are very colorful, too. They're super colorful. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, for an audience, I think that's exciting to, to go and so watch. I think so, too. I think, you know, when the sets and the costumes are, you know, jaw-dropping, I think it it helps to get the audience members to really enjoy the ballet. And um, you guys have a tour. I know you're going to Abu Dhabi. Is it Abu Dhabi? Abu Dhabi is on the tour. Yes. Where else? Do you know where else you're going in uh, um, we're doing 2020? A, we're doing a couple of domestic ones this year. Uh, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, Detroit, Detroit, I think Detroit, yep. And Abu Dhabi. Well, and here. And here, of yeah. course. Um, are you guys at the Fox Theater in Detroit? Because that theater is beautiful. Like old so. Art Deco. Yeah. I think I think that, that is where we are. I'll have to double check. It's Gorgeous. Yeah. It's one of those things that you realize what, and Detroit's making a really big comeback, which is nice too. Um, and they've kept that theater in pristine 
condition on Woodward Ave. It's it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. You'll love it. That's oh, great. I'm super excited for that. Um, I do want to talk about this book. Yeah, absolutely. This is gorgeous. First of all, it's very heavy. It is, it's a heavy book. <laughs> um, and this is the art, uh, uh, the style of movement. And this is out of the New York City Dance Project, yes. correct? Yes. And they, I know they have a calendar for 2020. They have a calendar. Mm-hmm. But we need to show some of your gorgeous photos. How did you become involved with this? So, so Deborah and Ken, they're the two photographers, our husband and wife. Um, that that do these uh, photos, and yeah, some Ooh. some some really pretty pretty awesome photos. But um, I met them about four years ago, and it was actually through Danielle Simkin. Oh, you who, did? Yeah, who was a, a principal dancer uh, with ABT. He yep. still is, but he guests once in a while. And he met them, and they got to meet all the ABT dancers, and they would call the ABT dancers to come and, like, take photos with them if they were interested. And that is sort of how I met them and got to come and do some early photos with them. With all of these beautiful couture gowns. That's you and Devin. Yes, that's me and Devin. This is one of my favorites. I just love the lines and the dresses. Yeah. Um, So their photo shoots are pretty amazing. They have a bunch of high-end designers just ship them dresses. Dresses and gowns. This is Oscar de la Renta. No Oscar big de deal. la Renta. I know. <laughs> it's it's really beautiful. And my favorite part about shooting with them is getting to wear all these dresses. It's, do you it's really... get the photos? I mean, do you have these framed in your home? I don't have them framed, but I do get them. Okay. I, I need to I do need to frame you them. You need to do these because yeah. when you're like eighty five years old, you wanna have these yeah. on your wall and showing your grandkids. Yes, and... I'll definitely frame them. But um They're so beautiful. Yeah, and basically this book is about sort of like athleticism and art in one, you know, with style. Um, it's it's very, very cool. It's very, yeah, it's very like high-end couture, amazing coffee table book. But I, I love that you said athleticism with artistry because I feel like we talked a lot about that this year, especially with Boys Dance 2 yes. and that movement. And just talking about why aren't we talking about dancers as athletes? As athletes. Because yeah, we, we know are. you're artists, yeah. but all of you are athletes. Yeah. And the stamina and strength. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of endurance, right? Stamina and strength. And I mean, most of the guys actually have to work out so much, so much. They lift weights all day long. They do all these crazy exercises. They don't stop. You know, it was funny. I talked with um, Kenneth Easter, who is, mm-hmm. uh, he's one of the faculty members over at Gillespie um, down in Orange County for all the kids. And he said, you know, I need to keep the boys in um, until they get to partnering. Because when they get to partnering, that's when they understand their real true purpose in dance. And they get excited because sometimes they're at an age where they're not ready to dance with girls because they're like, ugh, girls are icky. But um, they start realizing (laughs) like their strength and their power. Um, He said, if we lose them earlier than that, it's it's so disappointing. It's kind of heartbreaking. they don't get to experience, yeah. The beauty of what's to come. I know. And I mean, it's amazing what what boys can do in ballet. It's Just unbelievable. The things that they do, the things that they're capable of, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I, I was I was kind of glad that uh, a lot of positive things came out of that movement too because a, a lot of the boys, especially the ones that I talked to on Friday yeah. night, just said, you know, it started to make me feel special as a male dancer. Yeah. And, um, they that, should feel special. I mean, the things that they have to do is so hard and so challenging. Just as hard as gymnastics or 
football, track and field, whatever, anything, anything, if not harder. And and that's the thing too. um, You know, back in the day, and I don't think football players do it anymore, but back in the day, if you go back 40, 50 years, they were taking ballet class to help them with their footwork on the field. Yes, absolutely. It's so funny. I just did this um, course, this Harvard course that was offered to us. Um, that was offered to the ABT principal dancers. And it, it was sort of an introduction into business. Mm-hmm. And we got to go to Harvard for a couple of days and then do like a full semester. And it was it was really amazing. But this class is basically for athletes, only for athletes. And they opened up like the doors to athletes to sort of learn more about business because business, we see a lot of business in our lives, especially, if, you know, with everything that we do. But um, in the class, there were a lot of football players, and I love that they took ballet class. <gasps> we we asked them, and they did. So they're, so they're still doing they're it. Still this still is doing good. It. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. And you know, a lot of football players wind up on Dancing with the Stars. It's probably why they're good, and they oftentimes win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it was refreshing to hear that. It's great. I love to hear, and I love to hear that they're offering business courses to you guys. Oh, it's, it was show really business. Wonderful. Yeah. Show business. <laughs> um, we only have a few minutes left, believe it or not. But I, okay. I always like to ask, sort of, what is on your radar for 2020, and kind of even beyond that? Or um, are you looking ahead to branch beyond ballet, or guest with other companies, or choreograph? Because um, there's so many opportunities these days for all of you. Yeah. I mean, I eventually, I definitely want to guest with other companies. I mean, I have dreams of uh, guesting with the Marinsky or the Royal Ballet or Paris Opera Ballet. Ballet. I would, I would love to go and guest with those companies. So that is definitely on my radar next mm-hmm. as well. And I still haven't even premiered all the classical, the full length classical ones. So. Which ones haven't you done? Because I know you did so, Swan Lake and Don Q. Yeah, Swan Lake, Don Q, Corsair. I already did. I haven't Giselle? done Giselle, but I am premiering it in the spring. spring. So at the Met, at the Met, okay, yeah, New York. So that that one was my favorite ballet of all time. So I'm beyond thrilled to be doing That's that. That's exciting. And um, I still haven't premiered Romeo and Juliet, Ooh. which is another one that I would love to do. So, and it's is it it's not on the spring schedule or it is, but this time around. It's just I already have so many things that I'm doing. You have plenty on your plate. <laughs> yeah, and theme and variations. I'm also premiering theme and variations, oh, which good. is a balancing piece, but it's super hard. You've got a lot of on your it's plate a lot. for spring. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a lot. A lot of research, a yes. lot of behind the scenes, yes. sweat and tears. Yes. yes. Um, how about beyond that? Have, have you started to think, because um, I, I hate to say it, but it's like, you know, you always have to kind of think ahead with the ballet career of like, what does the next chapter look like? It's so true. And I, you know, I've sort of started like thinking about it and thinking what I'm interested in and what I would like to do with my life after dance is over, which I don't want it to be. But no, but I you know, know eventually people are dancing a lot yeah, longer. A and lot I think the company now. I look at, I'm like, I love this. There's a lot of people yeah. approaching 40. Yes, they're still company. dancing. Still dancing, looking great too. I know. But I really am, I'm really into nutrition and into body recovery. And um, I would love to do something more with that later down the road, like create some sort of great bar for energy, for sustaining energy. Because as dancers, we're always trying to find that thing that, you know, will help us before a show and keep it at the same level. Mm -hmm. And I would love to do something with that and or body recovery, find new things for, you know, body recovery is so important. It's so important. And And I don't think there's enough focus on it, honestly. No, but I realize how important it is. And I started doing it religiously. So and it really helps. Does it change your dancing? It's changed. And I don't get as sore as I usually did or I don't get cramps anymore. 
and I used to get cramps mm-hmm. and you know I figured all that out I figured out ways to prevent all that so I'm I'm really interested into that kind of stuff and, and injury prevention is injury so prevention. important especially where you guys yes you have a New York City season but you do a lot of touring as well and yeah. I always feel like getting out of your regular element opens you up to, oh, well, I'm not eating the same. I'm not sleeping the same. I'm in a different time zone. We're not in our home studio. Yes. Yeah, it's so true. And um, I mean, once I started doing like all these body recovery methods that I I found out about, I I realized it made me stronger. It gave me more energy. I can dance for much longer now. It, It really, really works and it helps. And do you do things outside the studio in terms of like, any type of weightlifting, conditioning, mm-hmm. because it's not that just like, I'm just going to take dance class and yeah. do the same thing over and over. Actually doing a Pilates or a gyro uh, tonics and those type of things yes. really keep you in it, exactly. shape. So I do, I do gyro tonics every week and I really think that it helps to balance out my body. It really helps to align your body and to center yourself in a way because I feel like with all these new ballets and contemporary pieces that we always have to do, you always get like your body gets so like twisted and just (laughs) completely off balance. And gyrotonic is so great to realign everything. Um, So I love it. I do it every week. I mean, if there's a, a role that requires a lot of stamina, I'll do some cross training or some stamina exercises. Mm -hmm. But but that's pretty much it. Do they have like a physical trainer on staff or someone that kind of keeps you guys in check? We have. So there are a few dancers actually that are um, certified trainers now. So good. And they'll work with like any any of us one on one whenever we want to, um, you know, and I've done that before with with some of the dancers and it's really great. It's so helpful and so easy. And I love that, you know, they are approaching you guys as athletes now. It's not just like, okay, you're just dancers and you take dance yeah. class. There's so many other elements to oh my really gosh, keeping so you. Many. Yeah, in peak. ballet, there's so much more. Because apart from, like, the acting and the artistic side, there's also the athletic, you know, stamina, endurance, all that stuff on the other side. So it's so it's crazy to balance the two. But that's why people are dancing longer too. And I think that's so important because I also think the longer you dance, the different layers and nuances you bring to a role. Oh, absolutely. I feel like every year, you know, every year you can add something more on top of what you did the last time. Yeah. And that's, and it's really interesting. It's wonderful to see that evolution for a dancer. Well, it has been a thrill to have you here. Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. Thank you. Um, If anyone is not following you on social media, if you can tell everyone in that camera right there where they can find you. Well, my Instagram is at christine.shevchenko, which is really easy. Super easy. Or Christine Shevchenko or See Chevy Dance, which Chevy ended up being my nickname. <laughs> That's a great somehow, nickname, though. But with an SH. Uh, so See Chevy Dance is also a great one. Um, yeah, so they can find me there. All right. And don't forget to check her out if you're in the Southern California area this weekend and the Nutcracker. Um, you guys will just, it's such a delight. It's such a great um, production. And I, I don't know, I just I kept raving about it. So I'm like, Go see it if you're in town. We want to thank Dance Network and Popcorn Talk for a great 2019. Thank you all for your support. 150 episodes, and we will be back for season four, believe it or not, on Tuesday, January 7th, 2020. I hope you all have a happy and safe holiday season. We'll see you all in a few weeks. Awesome. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.